0: Welcome to Canine Hijinks, the podcast for those who want to explore more ways to have fun with their dogs and perhaps discover the wider world of training and dog sports. It may even convert the casual pet owner into a dog sport enthusiast. Join me, Alyssa Looney. And me, Whitney Taylor, as we share our dog training
1: journeys, as well as resources you can use to enhance your life with your canine friends.
0: Welcome to Canine Hijinks. Thank you for joining us for another episode. We are talking this week about a topic that recently became a bit of an issue for me, and that is motion sickness. And so we are happy to welcome Chicory Eddy to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Chicory graduated from vet school in 1998 from the Atlantic Veterinary College in Prince Edward Island, Canada. She's originally from Montreal, Quebec, and after graduation spent 8 years in Juneau, Alaska, then moved to the greater Portland area. She started in agility and flyball in 1996 and now competes in agility, obedience, rally, barn hunt, nose work and a little bit of fast cat. She's also an avid gardener. Tickory, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, happy to be here. Well, we like to start each episode by talking about what we've been doing for fun with our dogs. And uh, here we are on the 5th of July, which means we have all survived the fireworks. Yep. Still have all of our dogs. Uh, Some were drugged. Puppy, I'm happy to report, did not care one bit. So that was excellent. Dexter is deaf.
1: That's the only good thing about a dog that is scared of fireworks going deaf is they don't care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Excellent. That probably made your night a lot easier. Eh, fractal and Sprite were not all about it. I was had uh, two furry appendages. They were like ah. glued to me. Yeah. Well, better than shaking and hiding in the bathroom, I suppose. Well, we hid in the bathroom anyway. That's my protocol. Oh. Two okay. two fans, <laughs> dog beds in the bathroom, close all the doors, turn on a radio, and but they didn't want me to leave, so I slept on the floor on
0: a dog bed for several hours last night. <laughs> oh. Man, that's good of you. I know. <laughs> well, what fun things have we done with our dogs lately?
1: Chickery? why don't you start since we don't know uh, the dogs dogs in your household. All right. Well, I got one dog, Nitro, five-year-old Australian Shepherd.
2: And since I was working on Saturday and it's a holiday weekend, the only thing on our calendar was a NASDA workshop out in Canby. And we did that on Sunday. And he had a great old time. What's NASDA? What is NASDA? I don't remember what it stands for, but it's NASDA. And it's a lot of hunting type stuff, mostly rats in various environments. So think barn hunt, but not the barn. It could be out in a field, it could be out in a shed, they could be in a box hanging from a tree. And there's various different games. Some of it is very similar to barn hunt where you just go into an area and they're in there. Others, there's trailing, which Nitro has never done any kind of tracking, but he immediately picked up the scent from 100 feet away and found that rat, no problem at all. Cool. Wow. That's cool. Do what they call shed, which is shed antlers. And same Mm. kind of thing, they're out there somewhere and they got to go find the antler. And they also do uh, find your own scent or someone else's scent. So they do
1: a lot of different things. So it's kind of nose work, but a lot of it is kind of barn hunting because it's with rats.
2: Yes, yes. But then there's also find their own humans scent, Mm -hmm. which we get the high levels in obedience. So in utility, he's got to find the scent article with my scent on it. So this is a concept he's already got. So that gets expanded. Um, But then apparently they also have one where you have to find someone else's scent on an article placed
0: somewhere. Mm
2: -hmm. That's cool.
0: That's That's another sport we're going to have to cover one of these days.
2: It's all about the dog's nose. So if they like using their nose,
0: it should be a lot of fun. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I spent the whole weekend playing agility and cleaning out my arena and cleaning my equipment and organizing stuff in my arena. And uh, it was a lot of work, but also a lot of fun. So my arena, it looks so much nicer now with much less dirt and bird poop and everything. (laughs) Whitney, what about you?
1: Yesterday in an effort to have the dogs be tired when the fireworks started and more likely more willing to accept their exile in the bathroom I took them for a very long hike so we ended up hiking almost 8 miles yesterday and I was hoping that they would be very tired but eh. I mean they really enjoyed the the hike and it's not something I've done a lot with spray and it reminded me of so many things around like trail manners and all kinds of stuff like that and it was interesting because the friend that was hiking with me said man it's really nice to see some dogs that have some trail manners because often when I'm out here hiking by myself people will say don't worry they're friendly and the dog will jump on them and they don't really appreciate that and so it was just the whole thing was a pretty interesting experience from the dog social etiquette perspective because I don't hike as much as I would like to. But it was nice to just get out in nature and the dogs certainly enjoyed themselves and we were able for them to be off leash for most of the hike and it was really nice. That does sound nice.
0: Perfect temperature for it too. Oh my gosh. Today.
1: Well, we went really early so that also helped.
0: Well, we're here today to talk about motion sickness because my poor puppy, Leo, um, who I would not have ever expected to have this problem, given that his breeder actually traveled like most of the way across the country when they were five weeks old. Um, So he would traveled quite a lot. Uh, We'd had a couple of instances where he'd thrown up in the car. Didn't think too much of it. One of them was a really windy road, but I took him with me to our ISC cup competition a couple weeks ago. And that was about a three and a half hour car ride. And when I got there, the entire crate was covered in puke and he looked miserable. We, um, went outside and took him for a nice long walk to kind of decompress. And then I put him back in a different crate in my car so that I could clean out his original crate. And as soon as I put him in there, he sort of hung his head and he stood there really kind of stoic looking and started drooling just immediately. And so I pulled him out of the car again and let him hang out in a wire crate outside for the day. And then as soon as I put him back at the car, so that we could go to our hotel, he started drooling again, and he was just standing there looking miserable. And so, luckily, I was with a friend who recognized motion sickness. Her dog had gone through the same thing, and um, she helped me find some medication to give him that we could get over the counter. And that has made a huge difference. and And we seem to be mostly out of the woods with the motion sickness, but it inspired me to find a veterinarian that could talk us through motion sickness, how it kind of starts, what you can do to treat it, a lot of those types of things that should you ever need it, you will have the knowledge of motion sickness and what to do about it. And so, Chikri, that's where you come in. Um, Does Leo's case sound pretty typical for what you see and what owners report, or how else does motion sickness manifest?
2: He certainly sounds like he was fairly extreme, but that's also a long ride. Obviously, the majority of people are not, if you will, dog people like us and travel <laughs> hours to a dog show. It's like 10 yes. minutes in the car, 20 minutes in the car, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you start to notice it. But obviously, if he's got true motion sickness and it's three and a half hours in the car, that was a long time to be feeling cruddy and get some pretty negative associations with the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people report, you know, he puked on the way to the clinic or he puked on the way to the friend's place or to puppy class or something like that. And okay. Some people do take longer trips and it's more of an ordeal like what you had.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And yeah, so- I haven't noticed with him that, uh, like on our rides to work and stuff, I hadn't seen any throw up like that. But it occurred to me from some of his reactions when I pulled him out of the car, where he just sort of looked uncomfortable, that, that my guess is he actually just didn't feel good from the car. It wasn't that he didn't like his environment, per se. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And classically, it's the car motion, the stop, start, turning kind of thing that really gets them, just like people. Usually, once you hit the highway and you're just cruising, they do Okay. But if they're already sick by the time you get to the highway, that it may not stop until you truly stop. But some of them are not that sensitive, and if you just don't have very far to go to get to the highway, they'll be okay. And some dogs, not so much puppies, but sometimes will have a negative association with the car and get all upset with the car. To the point that they make them nauseous versus most commonly in puppies, it is true motion sickness. And then they get the negative associations with the car and then it can spiral out of control if you don't really get on it to the point that they hate going in the car and they may start to feel sick before the car even starts moving.
0: Mm -hmm. It it can get ugly if you don't work it. So I didn't realize that there could be kind of a motion sickness that starts the motion sickness versus a bad association with the car for whatever reason that turns into motion sickness. It could be kind of either one.
2: It can be either one. Usually, the true motion sickness is more sickness. But some dogs that have a tendency to be anxious can get themselves so worked up with anxiety that they're mm. panting and they're drooling from anxiety. And that can just cause them to end up gulping a lot of air. the panting Mm -hmm. and that can cause them to get um kind of nauseous just the stomach is just over full because they're so upset Mm -hmm. almost like a a little kid that just has a screaming horrible you know temper tantrum kind of thing to the point that they may make them feel make themselves a little sick just Mm -hmm. from all the gulping the air and the stomach getting full of air and you just start to feel cruddy Typically those dogs, you'll see a lot of anxiety before the illness hits and with true motion sickness, sometimes they'll get sick within two, three minutes and you didn't necessarily notice a lot of anxiety unless they, like your puppy, made that association real quick and got upset right away as soon as you put him back in the car
1: because he Mm -hmm. had such a negative association from that trip. So is this most common in puppies? Like, do dogs outgrow it? So I guess the two things I'm struggling with, sort of the, what does prevention look like? Can you know a dog is going to be motion sick before you stick them in the car? And then the kind of like on the other end of the spectrum, okay, how do you recognize it? And then what do you do? Yeah, there's
2: no predicting until it happens as... Alyssa found with her puppy, he traveled a lot and he was fine and had been going to work and seemed okay. But in retrospect, maybe wasn't quite perfect. And then the big trip and that went downhill. And once you've seen it once, then you want to be on the lookout for it and try to do preventative type stuff, which depending what you're doing and how long the trip is might involve drugs or just desensitization, depending on how much time you've got and what life is. So if, for example, you have to take the puppy to work with you every day, you got to take them to work every day. So maybe drugs until you have a chance to work through it versus somebody who doesn't have to do that. They can take a little more time and counter conditioning and be able to avoid taking the puppy in the car for a while as they work through it. And quite often they do outgrow it. Some of them are really extreme and will get that psychological association, which keeps it going. So drugs are really important for them. But the ones that is truly just motion sickness and they're not getting too upset by the car ride itself, a lot of times does get better with time.
1: We usually joke in my family, like when we've had puppies, we used to drive from Portland to Eugene. Often when we had season tickets for duck football and that that was our like, well, as a puppy, you just learn how to ride in in a car and deal with the long car trip like during the fall because it's, you know, can be three weeks in a row, maybe one week off. And that was uh, sort of flooding-ish, even though I guess the episodes are pretty far apart. But it was like, you'll just figure it out and... That was the approach that we always took. We were, oh, lucky it didn't backfire on super negative associations. But we also didn't have dogs that were, like, super, super sick. Just a little drooly, a little, like, mm, I don't know if I want to do this. And then usually we would, the other thing is, like, it's really fun at Grandpa's house. And there's more dogs there. And you get to do different things. And, you know, they get to ride in the car for agility. And it might be a little, Ugh, but there's agility on the other side. So... That was always the approach that we took. But I have thought, suspected for a while, that Sprite has very mild motion sickness because she just doesn't want to get in the car. Like she, I all my other dogs, I took Fractal to class the other day because I couldn't keep him out of the car. He was like, I'm going, I'm going in the car. And she's always like do i have to and i just would have thought that by this age she like would want to go play agility and so i can't tell if it's she just doesn't love agility that much or if there is some that she doesn't really like the car cuz she doesn't feel great she doesn't throw up she doesn't drool but maybe she she kind of like hunches in the back of her crate and doesn't she just doesn't love it in there so i've always wondered and think like i need to be better about getting her some drugs and so to help settle whatever that feeling is so that then she can have a better association and hopefully like really fully outgrow it um so what what drugs are typically recommended is this something you should go see a veterinarian for they're over-the-counter drugs what usually works in these situations
2: There are both. The -the over-the-counter drugs, you will get drowsiness. The classic would be Benadryl, which is diphenhydramine, or uh, Dramamine, which is dimenhydrinate. Those are the -the over-the-counter. And the dimenhydrinate, Dramamine, has a little more anti-nausea to it compared to the Benadryl. So that's usually the one of choice for true motion sickness for over-the-counter drugs. That said, it does make them a little drowsy. So depending on what you're doing at the end of your trip, that may or may not be ideal. You know, if the puppy's just going to hang out and the big dog's doing all the stuff, let the puppy be chill. No big deal. But if you're (laughs) dealing with this and going to puppy class or something like that, you really don't want them dopey.
1: Right, which is why I haven't done it with spray because I'm taking her to agility. I don't really want her to be drowsy and out of it. Exactly. Uh, right. There's so a another...
2: the prescription drugs come in.
1: Got it.
2: And Serenia would be the drug of choice. Okay. One one dose lasts for 24 hours, which is great. Whoa. And it's prescription only, so you'd have to talk to your vet to mm-hmm. get it. But it's non-drowsy, it works like a charm. And it will prevent vomiting 99% of the time it may not stop the drooling but it will stop the vomiting Got it. and if they're getting upset in the car and drooling and stuff because their stomach is feeling queasy it will help that a ton right. but if they have an anxiety associated thing and they're starting to drool from anxiety and getting nervous it'll stop them from vomiting but we still have the anxiety component to deal with
1: But potentially, if they don't end up with the queasiness, then they could end up with less anxiety overall from using the drug repeatedly. Yeah.
2: Right, yeah. Depending what the root issue is, you know, it's chicken and egg, what came first, Mm -hmm. the anxiety, nausea. Most of the time it's the nausea and then the anxiety because they think they're going to be nauseous next time. So they kind of work themselves up. Hence, not liking the car because they associate the car with feeling sick, mm-hmm. right And that then they don't want to get in the car and there's anxiety around getting in the car and it it can snowball if you're not careful.
1: Yeah. What does counter conditioning look like then for like I was you said that and I'm like, well, what do you do if you can't make them feel less nauseous? Like if you don't use the drugs, then how, what would that look like? A few different things.
2: Like most of us in the dog world, we probably use crates or in my case, a seatbelt in the car to keep them contained. But a lot of people just have them loose, either in the back seat or in the back of an SUV, and they can kind of be slipping and sliding around, or if you do a sudden stop, tumble, and that can create anxiety of them not feeling secure, or even if they're in a crate, but the crate is too big, and they're sliding inside the crate. You take a turn and they're sliding inside their crate. That's terrifying to them. Right. So- Having non-skid in there, as long as it's safe to put in so the puppy won't eat it, Uh, but something (laughs) non-skid in the crate or, you know, the crate itself is certainly secured so it's not moving. If the crate even moves an inch one way or another as you're turning, stopping, that kind of thing, it makes everything basically feel unsteady and Mm -hmm. they can't get away from it. Similarly, if you have to use a seatbelt, it needs to be seatbelted in pretty snug. If they're just got a tether and they could end up anywhere in the back seat or on yeah. the floor in front of the back seat, it's really not doing any good. It needs to keep them snug. So they might be able to stand up, turn around, lay down, but really that's it. Mm-hmm. And because it's the seat belt, if you do hit a turn or hit the brakes, just like with us, it snaps tight and they're not going anywhere. So they have that security of not ending up on the floor in front of the seat. Right. Okay. And obviously they should never be in the front seat because airbags and whatnot. Yeah. But, even but there's airbags in the back too. So, you know, you've got to yeah. be into such things mm-hmm. in case minor fender bender or something like that. Right. But right. The counter conditioning would come down to, if you've got a dog that's gotten to the point that they just don't want to get in the car, mm-hmm. like the anxiety starting before they're even in the car, we got to start desensitizing to the car itself. Right. So that would be taking some time if they don't even want to get in the car, pick a day and time that you've got time, bring a book, your computer, your phone, whatever, <laughs> to just hang out, maybe next to the car, or sitting in the back seat with the puppy, if you can get them into the puppy and just hang out until they relax, mm-hmm. maybe some treats in there. But if there's any queasiness involved, especially if it's psychological, we don't necessarily want too many treats in there. But If they're calming down enough that you're not concerned about them vomiting, then some treats. We're basically trying to make the car like a second living room and a great place to hang out. Gotcha. And at first you can just start in the back seat with the puppy Um, or in the back, if it's an SUV or a van or something like that, just sit there with them, not even in the crate or anything. You're just hanging out. Doors are open, just hanging out until puppy is really calm and relaxed as they would be on the couch next to you. Once you get there and that in some dogs that might take a day and it might take a month, right. just depends psychologically with them. And, and the smarter dogs overthink things and quite often can take longer to get through this than shall we say, not the brightest bulb in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so however long puppy takes, that's how long you got to take. So you got to be prepared to stay out there for like half an hour or more. So make sure right. the sun's not beating down and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The car is not running. You're not doing the air conditioning. The car is open. You're not doing anything. Right. And then once they're totally cool with that, they realize the car is cool when it's just sitting in the parking lot or in the driveway or in the garage, wherever it is, that they'll happily hop in and hang out next to you on the back seat. That was step one. Step two would be, if you're going to use a crate or some kind of restraint, then do the whole thing all over again, but with the crate or the restraint and you're hanging out right next to them. If it's an SUV and the crates in the back, you've got your lawn chair right next to them and you're just hanging out until puppy is calm and quiet, can say happily chew on whatever stuffed Kong or something, just mm-hmm. hanging out calm. Once we're there, then we can start the car. So get out of the garage at this point. <laughs> but the car's not moving. It's not getting put into gear. It's just running. So if you're in the back of an SUV, make sure be aware of the exhaust. <laughs> Don't, Don't make exhaust. sick that way. <laughs> so you may want to modify to the side of the vehicle for this part, but you're just hanging out. And again, we're going at the puppy's pace until they are cool, calm, collected, and happy to hop in there and hang out and get their treats. And at this point, they should be calm enough that they're happy to get treats or their are stuffed Kong or whatever. And then you put them in and close up the car and get in the driver's seat. But just sit there and be prepared to move back and forth from the driver's seat to sitting next to the puppy. So that they realize even though you're not sitting right next to them, you're still right there. It's okay. If you have a setup that the puppy's in the back and you're at the driver's seat, that can be challenging because you can't just pop them a treat from the driver's seat or something like that. And depending on your setup, you may not be able to actually see them to see what they're doing if they're starting to get upset. So you may have to modify things a bit at this stage, depending on your setup maybe mm-hmm. temporarily the crate is in the back seat before moving to the far back or mm-hmm. something like that. once they're good there then we move it up and down the driveway they're just a few feet one direction a few feet back and park and do it all over again and then maybe up and down the full length of the driveway and then out of the driveway into the street and back into the driveway you know, really just a I'm, little. I'm, I
1: can't. Little bit. I need like the to know what the neighbors think. Like that's all. Like, <laughs> yes. the, neighbors like <laughs> the neighbors. What? Think is he, nuts. What is she doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And you just very slowly progress it like that. You don't want to ever push it to the point that you're starting to see the anxiety or the nausea. If you right. see other anything other than relaxed, you push too fast, too hard, and the puppy's not ready for it. Yeah, and okay. if it's true motion sickness sometimes they just need to grow up a little bit to get truly over that but counter conditioning like this will make it easier for them right. and you just have to pick and choose how much you're going to train ideally if you can do this for a few minutes once or twice a day you'll get going a lot faster than if you only have 20 minutes once a week so right. depending on how right. you are and what your schedule is and what the weathers do, and you may have to do this early in the morning or late in the evening. Now that we're in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you've got a cool, shady area park, you know that kind of thing. So we don't want the vehicle to be uncomfortably warm because that's
1: another source of stress, right? I oh, see. So now I am picturing vehicles with the sunshades all over them, like clipped to it, <laughs> that you're moving yep. in and out of the driveway. I just keep getting like better and better pictures for the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a tougher thing to do in the heat of summer. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So you may have to run the car with the air conditioning on for a little bit before bringing puppy out to right. join you.
1: Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that
2: kind of thing. But you get the idea of yes, you know, just you're running the car, and then it moved a few feet,
0: yep. and then it
2: moved a little more, and a little bit more, and just being aware of how puppy's doing, and drive like grandma so very yeah. slow, slow acceleration slow turn gentle stops you know yeah again if make sure there's nobody on the road behind you that's going to get mad because you <laughs> they get you're, annoyed you're like I can to grandma this. i've been you driving
0: know? like grandma lately and it is it annoys me to yeah. drive like grandma. <laughs> I don't yes. want to drive that way. Another day, but there was somebody following me and I was going the speed limit, at least on the straight stretches. I was just gen- much more gentle on the turns, right? And the acceleration and stopping. And they were following me so close. And I just, ugh, I wanted to like, give him the finger. <laughs> I didn't. But yeah. like, I got a sick puppy back here. I can't go my normal speed. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. So potentially picking time of day for that kind of thing too. So you're not going <laughs> to trying to do their commute and in a hurry and that mm-hmm. kind
0: of, thing. yeah. I have changed some of my, so, um, obviously we had to get home. I was three hours away, so I had to get home. I got him some, some over-the-counter drugs, which did seem to make a huge difference pretty much immediately. And I would assume, so I uh, hear Sarah Strumming will make this statement. If you've walked five miles into the woods, you have to walk five miles to get out. So, the deeper hole you've dug with whatever your issue is, you can expect it to take at least that long to dig out. So, my hope is it really was kind of the long trip that was the worst for him because he did seem to bounce back quite quickly from that with the drugs on board. And I really only gave them to him for about a week, like for every trip. And then after that, I sort of backed off and saw how he did and that kind of thing. Um, He did get sick one other time a couple weeks later, and it was on a particularly windy road um, where I really should have given him something uh, sooner probably for that road. But otherwise he's, he's really doing quite well. So do you find that that kind of holds true for motion sickness too, is that the longer it's been going on, the harder it's going to be to get out of it?
2: Yes.
0: Yes, for sure.
2: And again, especially if they're starting to get anxiety around it, it'll Mm -hmm. self-perpetuate. And yeah, the drugs, if you can do drugs to help prevent the nausea is fantastic. Got to remember to give them at least an hour before hitting the road. So they have a chance Mm -hmm. to kick in. That's the hard part. Ideally, maybe two or three hours after a meal. So they're not hungry, but they don't have a full stomach either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So don't necessarily give them a stuffed Kong or a bully stick or whatever to chew on in the car. If they're working on motion sickness, they don't need stomach full of stuff. Right. And when they're chewing on that kind of thing, by default, they tend to swallow air, which causes the stomach to get stretched out, which makes them more likely to vomit. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. So if we're doing treats, um, like, I can't remember what the brand is, but that remote trainer that you can use a remote control and it kicks up. Like out a control. treat and train? Treat and train, yes. Something like that could be very valuable. You know, it's just an oh. occasional treat at your control. They're not overdoing
1: it on the eating and chewing mm-hmm. when we're
2: working.
1: Yes. Treat and train. Oh my gosh. If I had other dogs, like I can only imagine the other dogs hearing the beep <laughs> they're like let me in there <laughs> mm-hmm. of
2: course yeah I- this is where having somebody in the back seat doing that job right can be handy, too.
1: handy oh it's so funny yeah so when you're driving you're very limited so if you have a right. passenger to help you with this that can help a lot yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: what other preventive measures are there like once you know so obviously you can't completely prevent like know which dogs are going to be sick but so thinking about how long it's been since you fed the dog before you put them in the car what are some other things and making sure they're secure in however they're traveling i heard those two what else those are the biggies
2: okay and then if you have a puppy that is really bad with motion sickness like every time in the car even if it's five minutes they're getting sick then just try to limit how much they're in a car for a little bit. You know, right. keep it to them, give them a chance to try to outgrow it a little bit. Is that true motion sickness is not going to go away with just more car rides. It needs drugs. Right. So just depending on how you feel about drugs and and again, how much does the puppy need to go in the car? So again, if he has to go to work with you, you got no choice. Right. But if puppy stay home and only has to go to the vet for a shots every few weeks, maybe puppy class once a week, try to keep it to that at a right. minimum. Uh, until and give them a chance to outgrow it a little bit and then always never forget that you got them back there and drive like grandma
1: right (laughs) (laughs) is there a typical age at which they tend to outgrow it like where when would you try again if you're like okay I'm gonna you know I'm really limiting their time in the car I'm driving like grandma like you're doing all the things when what age do you typically are you typically able to maybe introduce sort of more rides or longer rides
2: most of them outgrow it by five or six months. It's okay. it's pretty cool. It's it's usually the little puppies most of the time, with rare exceptions. Gotcha. Yeah, usually That's the right. rare exceptions are dogs that hardly ever go on car rides. So again, mm-hmm. not typical dog people, but just pet dogs that maybe once a month they go in the car
0: mm-hmm.
2: for, to then go. Then they the don't pet outgrow pet it. Negative, and yeah, they don't really have a chance to work through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the ones that people are like, oh, it's so hard to get him into the car. Yeah, we'll only go to the vet twice a year or whatever. And it's like, okay, he's never had opportunity to get used to the car. It's not going to get right. better if you work it. Right. And with the motion sickness, there's always going to be some level of anxiety. Because just like with people, you know, something made you sick, whatever that something is, you're going to have a memory of it and try to avoid it in the future, probably at yep. least for a while. Yep. So yeah. we need to make sure we
0: address. Blueberry pie. That's mine.
1: Fairy rides. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: A couple of other things people gave me advice to do was to move his crate forward so that it wasn't so far in the back. Because of course in the minivan, mm. further back you go, the more it kind of rocks and yeah, rolls. Yeah. Yep. yep. So um, so I brought his crate forward and then I also uh, tried to have him ride in a, in a wire crate instead of the fully enclosed um, hard sided crates, which is what I prefer eventually. But um, then I could see him. And mm-hmm. so I rode with him in the back seat for a while. And then just this week I moved him back to the back of my regular car, but I kept him in the middle so that I can see him now through mm. the seats. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've been really paranoid and watching him through the rear view mirror, uh, to see how he's reacting in the car. And there's a very visible difference between if he's sort of not feeling well and when he's totally relaxed. So lately this week, he's been getting in there. He lays out fully on his side or he's flopped all the way over on his back. And I'm like, well, that is not a sick puppy because he's awesome. so relaxed in the car, but I wouldn't be able to see that if I didn't have the wire crate, so right. that I could watch that, or I don't know some fancy video system or something. But right. video system, um,
2: there might be contraptions on the market for the concept of babies in the back seat with the rear-facing yeah. baby seat, you know, strategically placed mirrors or cheap mm-hmm. little video something. Yeah,
0: something. Yeah. I've I've found that to be super valuable because then I have the peace of mind that I'm not making him sick because he does come with me to work every day, right? I uh, he's in the car all the time. So this was like, I was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to bring him with me for a while and trying to figure out what I was going to do about it. But, but that visibility has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That helps a lot. And yeah, temporarily moving him into the back seat instead of the far back can be really valuable. And it's not forever. Most of the time, it's just temporary and just do what you got to do to get through the stage.
0: Yep. Do you you find, I heard mixed reviews on whether they should be able to see out of the car or not.
2: Depends on the dog. Typically try at least with the littler puppies, don't let them look out because they can kind of be like little kids and try to focus on stuff as it goes by, which can Mm. create nausea. Okay. So at least earlier on, probably not looking out and then maybe graduate to, they can only see out the front versus the side and stuff whipping by. And until until they're relaxed enough that like your puppy, he's laying down. He's not even trying to look out the window. No big deal. Yeah. And most of our dogs, I think, unless they're so excited of where they're going, if they know it's a long haul, they lay down and chill. And they're not,
1: you yeah. know, that's my yeah. no, when you get off the highway and particularly if I'm going to Alyssa's house, she lives down a gravel road <laughs> and fractal pops up. Ah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gets very excited. Cause he's, he knows, he knows where we're going. Yep. Yep. That's a whole nother pro- topic to touch on. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right, like the anticipation of getting out of the car, my cattle dog. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. take her to the dog park because she was watching and she would know when we got close. And it was back in the day when she rode loose in the car and she'd like start screaming in my ear <laughs> as we're approaching Ooh. the dog park. Yep, it's in there.
0: Yep. <laughs> How do you know if you should go to the vet or just go to the store for the overcounter meds? Mm.
2: Certainly, you could start with the the over-the-counter. You'll still need to get the dosage from your vet or be careful about looking stuff up online, just like anything. Yeah, the key you got to watch for is both of them will come with other drugs included, a decongestant Mm -hmm. or acetaminophen or something like that. So you got to be real careful to what you're getting. The only active ingredient is either diphenhydramine Mm -hmm. or dimenhydrinate
1: what's the other one chicory there's bonine and and I was told my dog who had old dog vestibulars to give him I want to say meloxicam but that's totally not it but it started with an M meclazine meclazine yeah
2: yeah that's not one that we typically reach for for this kind of thing it might be maybe if they're not working but it's not a drug that I've used much at all interesting so, okay. yeah because the usually what we're after is a little sedation as well okay which, mm-hmm. Lemon hydronate and the diphenhydramine do well got it and you like i said obviously make sure there's no decongestants acetaminophen that kind of thing but also make sure it's the plain non-chewable unflavored because the xylitol is everywhere oh
0: you oh. got to be that. Really,
2: really careful anything that's flavored anything made for children has some kind of flavoring could often have xylitol So you never want to get the children's version. And usually it's not concentrated enough unless you get a tiny dog anyway. Right. Uh, So just always read the label carefully. So on the back of the box, one ingredient and the active ingredients, but then look in the inactive ingredients to make sure there's no xylitol down there. Good tip. They don't have to tell you how much xylitol is in there. Right, just that it exists. Exactly. Mm-hmm. poison control knows how much is in there because ah.
0: they do these things, but that's a $75 phone call right. after the fact. Yeah. No, you really don't. You're probably, probably best off that if you think your dog needs drugs, whether it's over the counter or not to call your vet and ask what yes. you should try. I mean, especially since vets often can't get you in right away right now, yep. um, they should be able to tell you what exactly you should get exactly. at the store. Yeah. Exactly. If and the dosage. The puppy
2: kind of they've been in for their first or second round of shots. They've had their physical, that you know, you have an established relationship with the vet and this puppy. This kind of thing they'll quite often do over the phone. And usually yeah, right. we'll okay. have a technician give you the dosage and stuff. And if they've seen you with a puppy recently, which if you're going through the puppy series, they have. Right. right. As long as it's not a real large breed dog that's tripling in size every time they come
0: Leo. Leo is. (laughs) He's not even a large breed, but I feel like he is.
2: Yeah. And sometimes they will just prescribe you the Serenia without seeing them, just based on a phone call. Can't guarantee it. They don't have to do that. But some of them, especially when they're real busy. If they've if they've been seen in the last two, three weeks quite often a lot of vets will will do that and just come by the clinic, pick it up, kind of thing. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah.
0: Well, I it has certainly been a learning experience for me. And uh I'm glad I know more about it. And I'm really relieved that Leo's seems to be doing so well with it. But um it was kind of a scary experience and I I just really want people to know that it's a thing and, you know, he was drooling, but that didn't mean he had some awful disease or something, you know, it was just motion sickness. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, it sounds like you handled it pretty
2: it. well and he's getting over it pretty well. Some puppies take a lot longer
0: to work through yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful because we drive everywhere, you know, crazy dog people.
2: Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> the puppy's got to come along when we're doing stuff with the big dogs.
0: That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Socialization 101, right? Yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, a week after I brought Nitro home as a little puppy, we went up to Argus Ranch for an agility trial. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Three hour drive, the hotel, the elevator. Yes. Yeah, all of it. And that was very strategic on my part to do all that stuff right from the start. Yeah. Yes. This is what life is going to be, puppy.
0: Yep. <laughs> I am right there with you. They just get kind of thrown into it all. And the nice thing is that if you've got a puppy with stable genetics behind them, it usually works out really well. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes you just get lucky when you don't know the genetics, you know, if it's a rescue or whatever,
2: sometimes you get really lucky. Sometimes not a lot of times somewhere in between.
1: Yeah. Just got to work with what your puppy can handle and don't push them too hard, too fast. Yes. I think that is a great note to end on. Chicory, thank you Absolutely. so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate your time. You yes. are welcome. So that's all for today's episode. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast so you can join us for our next episode. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or by visiting our website at com.
0: Thanks for joining us. Make sure to go out and have some fun with your dogs. Talk to you next time.